a certain level of trauma before a certain age mm. has a physical impact on your brain development. So I'm someone who's been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder. So the reason it's called borderline is because, or was called borderline, they now refer to it as EUPD, which is emotionally unstable personality disorder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's generally rooted from childhood trauma. It's not as extreme as someone with bipolar because with bipolar those periods of manic and depressive episodes can last anywhere from three weeks to three months depending on episodes you have to see a therapist yeah i attend therapy weekly Mm i had first been actually given antidepressants by a gp at the age of 16. wow they would say something to me and i i i'm sorry miss khan if you're watching this miss khan i didn't mean it might have told her to get run over my bus so, <laughs> when you're a black or an ethnic child, you cannot really be that open about your mental health. You can't really go on Facebook and talk about how you want to. She was mm. posting content related to self harm. I can't witness that and mm. do nothing about it. So I went into school on smoke and doing crack cocaine with their mum at the age of eight years old. It my mum was a drug dealer, and I used to smuggle drugs with her when I was three. Yeah, he's been calling me the N word, mm. making comments about the colour of my skin. He said women should be slaves. And I just pinned him against the wall and I just started kneeling him in the stomach. It took two teachers to get me off him. Hey everyone, welcome to the Celia Lee Show. I'm your host, Celia, and today we've got Keisha in the building. So thank you for coming on. Um, We met at the gym. We did. I love that. (laughs) I meet a lot of people from the gym, actually. (laughs) Um, Introduce yourself first, actually. What what you do, where you're from, all of that. Yeah, so my name's Keisha. 27, just a young babe, you know, um, but still learn, learning and growing in this world, of mm-hmm. course. Um, so I'm from Enfield at the moment, but have moved around a lot in the past. Um, and I work in a primary school with children with social, emotional and mental health difficulties and mm-hmm. also special educational needs difficulties. Um, so that's kind of what I do most of my time mm-hmm. um but in my free time i like to go to the gym i'd like to do a bit of pole dancing a bit of yeah. dance a bit of exercise you know vibe with my friends and try to teach myself to skate mm. well, going awfully but i'm trying you got a lot going on in it <laughs> yeah, yeah. trying to do a bit of painting when i'm feeling in oh. a bit of emotional vibe okay because i feel like it's very expressive you know right freeing. yeah um so yeah i try and just try to everything, everything. Mm. yeah i don't feel like there should be any limits because humans yeah. are like multifaceted, you know, like yeah. try everything. Yeah, and exactly. Also, like healing that inner child because yeah. inner me always wanted to skate, but yeah. she just she just isn't very good. <laughs> are you scared? Like you will yeah. flat the face. Yeah, I think it's we'll get into it a bit later yeah. on, but I think the perfectionism side of things mm. it it leaves very little room for wanting to try risk and going like experiencing error. Yeah, you're very like hard on yourself. Yeah, like no, that, yeah, so. you 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 um judge yourself and things like that. That's 100%. why I always say like part of self love is having compassion for yourself 100%. and like be free to take the risk and go at, like we're scared of the unknown and you know probably the fear of pain things like that, but just face that fear like that fear is created in your head in your head that's it that's yeah. it but i think it's hard for a lot of people when that fear is reinforced mm. by surrounding negativity mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know for example i'm sure you probably experienced this somewhat 
a cultural thing. Yeah. Wanting to do something creative or expressive and being told, well, that's not going to pay the bills. Oh, 100%. You're going to be a lawyer because yeah. I don't want to hear all of this artist business. Yeah. I don't want to hear all of this dancing business. I don't yeah. Where are you from? Ghana. Ghana, okay. My mom's half Nigerian, half yeah. Ghanaian. So you know there are yeah. some rules over there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. So, for example, me, right? Um, so I play the piano. I'm oh, classically wow. trained. Now, now listen to this though. Like every single Chinese person, it's very typical of me. Every single Chinese person, more or less, most Chinese people know if they can play the piano or violin. Yeah, and because their parents would want them to be talent, talented, I want them to know an instrument, grade A to diploma, things like that. But listen to this. We got all of that. We go through all of that training, all of that. Do they want us to be a musician? Absolutely not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> How are you going to play? Yeah, exactly. You must, you must be able to say you can do all of these things, yeah. but none of them are relevant yeah. for life. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like my mum, because I remember um, I took GC, music for GCSEs. And uh, I did as well. My mum could not stand the idea of it. Oh, is it? What, did you, what, what instrument did you play? Voice. Oh, I, sh- <laughs> I, sh- I should know that. The voice is just voicing. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, so yeah, I did music um, for GCC and A levels. Oh. So you know, I like, remember we had to do a, um, part of the one of the assessment is composing. Mm-hmm, make, of course. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> I'm loving the whole look, by the thank way. Thank you. Thank you. I thought like. I'd come and look cute for you. Yeah. <laughs> And we've got like the same hair kind of thing, isn't it? Let's go! (laughs) (laughs) Oh shit! It's just the vibe, vibe, isn't it? (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so going back, so like, um, because and I was I had to uh, create our own track, well, Mm. a song. And I got really into it. I actually liked the process of it. Coming up the lyrics, and because I played the piano all of that, and I was really enjoying it. And then even at home, I was just starting, uh, like, just coming up with composing, like, all these, uh, like, um, like melody. And anyway, basically, then fast forward, I was like, to my mum, I think I want to be a music producer. And she just looked at me like, you know they don't make a lot of money. You know it's very hard to make it in the industry. I was like, but mum, but look at so and so, and then she'd be like, but yeah, but how many of these people will become like that person? Were you like, born here? I was born in Sweden. Born in Sweden. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Yeah. So I think, like, sorry to cut you yeah, off. No, but sorry. I think, like, one of the first things that comes to my mind is like, you want us to do all these things because it's things that maybe you never had or things that you view are valuable. Yeah. But then, like, you bring us into this Western world, but you still continue to have that like back home yeah, mentality. Yeah. So it's like you want me to be grade a million piano or violin yeah. but god d- dare i ask yeah. to be a musician like <laughs> you don't you don't you don't want me to live in poverty I yeah that. yeah but and i was thinking like why can't i be the next celia lee i don't have to be the next so-and-so mm. i can be the next celia lee, celia lee. That's it. <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> but um so yeah so yeah it's just a no-no all these like, like creative stuff yeah but me being a pt you know they were bitch they were a bit disappointed actually they actually, in fact, in fact, to this day, they don't rate it. Really? Yeah, but, but I'm not a PT anymore anyway, but, uh, but I still got a qualification. But yeah, because um, I've got a master's degree. Mm. And they were like, you've got a master's degree. You shouldn't be doing this. You should be working for a corporate company, nine to five, get a stable job and things like that. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't go to uni to work for a corporate company to work on someone's dream. I did it for myself. Andrew. And I studied entrepreneurship. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur right now. Things. Exactly. So yeah. So I guess like it's it's funny because they they always have this thing like oh, we want the best for you. Like, mm, this is I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like it's it's that clash between like attachment and mm, authenticity. Yeah. Because like as human beings, we have this like we have those two innate needs, but sometimes yeah. they can 
they can clash with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, like, you know, that need to be oneself mm. is so important because mm. you only have you at the end of the day. Yes, you have your family, you have yeah. relatives, you have partners, you have children, but it's yeah. only you at the end of the day. And if yeah. you are not like authentically being you mm-hmm. and allowing that to take place like in a physical form, yeah. that is, that's just, a, it just sets up a whole different you know vibe for your life yeah and like i think they struggle with that because from where they've come from authenticity has not been a priority Mm. attachment survival making ends meet doing what has to be done yeah those are all priorities you don't have time to worry about oh i don't feel great about myself or yeah and also like I don't know about your culture, but mm. Chinese culture, they really care what people think, like what relatives, they think about, oh, what will your uncle think? Da, 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 da. So, for example, but not all. For example, my mum's side, I always say this, I, don't, I say, I don't care. Um, my mum's side, they're, they're quite snobbish. Okay. So if I said, oh, I'm, I'm going to be, a, I'm, I'm a content creator, they'd be like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, it needs to have a title. Yeah, it needs yeah. It to be something I can yeah. brag to my friends yeah. about. Whereas my dad's side, they're very laid back. And I remember that first time I put a YouTube video up, my uncle, my dad's older brother, texted me straight away. Was like, "Oh wow, you're so, so cool! Da, da, da. So I'm going to support you. Send me more, da, da, you know, things like that." But um, my point is basically, because um, of the culture, like, is you there's certain expectations you got to meet, mm-hmm. and so then that takes away from you being free and being your true authentic self. So, which is why I always call myself the black sheep in my family because I don't give a fuck what people think. I literally do me. Um, as you probably know, and a lot of people know that, and I actually unapologetically do me, and uh, I do whatever, I chase my dreams. If I have a dream, I want something to do something, I'll go do it. I'm not going to let these culture uh, or family or whatever society sort of um, opinion to hold me back, from stop me from chasing my dreams. Sometimes I do feel sorry for some of my cousins, because mm, I feel I like, feel yeah, yeah, they f- I feel like they're doing because it's for stability. I think, it's almost there's, there's there's so many levels to it and so many layers to it because there's there's that fear of instability mm. like when you you know people chase their dreams or whatever yeah. because they're quote unquote chasing dreams it's almost like you're making it out to seem like it's impossible like you'll never make a living like things yeah. won't work out for you because they view it as a dream yeah um, because I guess it doesn't work out for everyone yeah. you do have to be realistic mm-hmm. about that but it's about the person and their intentions their ambitions their motivations mm. how willing they are to make it work yeah and I think some people let their own they project their own doubts mm. about their own ability to believe in themselves and do those things they mm-hmm. project it onto you because yeah. they fear mm-hmm. failure yeah 100% yeah and they fear you not feeling it yeah not it. yeah like, 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 like what's wrong with you, you yeah like, like what's wrong with you are you okay like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're crazy so, yeah. Oh, it's just, yeah it's such a tough one you know i think because of that now some people like they're like trapped because they're trapped now it leads to probably like depression mental health and then now you want to talk about mental health a million like, well, like what are you talking about like in our culture it's like what are you talking about what is mental health <laughs> they, it's you know i just like so I actually, so I'm someone who's been diagnosed with um, borderline personality disorder. Talk, explain what that so means. So borderline exactly. personality disorder, they used to, way back when, in the olden days, they used to, the reason it's called borderline is mm. because, or was called borderline, they now refer to it as EUPD, which is emotionally unstable personality disorder. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I still think it's a little bit harsh because it's, 
you know, people come with the stereotypes and whatever. Like when you hear someone saying like, oh, my crazy ex-girlfriend and she keyed my car mm-hmm. and she stalked me and she did all these mm-hmm. things. She's emotionally unstable. And it's like what it well, what it used to be actually uh, why it was called borderline is because they used to say it was like on the borderline of schizophrenia and um, bipolar. Right. So what it is, is that you go through kind of like these um, s- series of, it's very situational and it can be mainly based around relationships and it's generally rooted from childhood trauma. Mm. But um, it's basically just periods of emotional dysregulation, but it's not as extreme as someone with bipolar because with bipolar, those periods of manic and depressive episodes can last anywhere from three weeks to three months, depending on episodes. Mm. People think, oh, you're bipolar because you're happy for a day and sad mm. for a day, but that is not what bipolar actually really looks like. You know, I only know about what you just said that. Um, I don't I don't know anyone who has bipolar, yeah. but I only know about because, um, do you know Empire? <laughs> Andre, Andre, having it. <laughs> no, the glasses are gone again. Yeah, because oh he—I remember he was like, but that is depressed very, for a few. Yeah. yeah, that is. I mean, obviously it's dramatized. Yeah, but yeah, like bipolar is a. It can be a de- de- busy, Yeah, I can't talk today. Yeah, dating disorder for yeah. the people who who mm. suffer from it and live with it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, like for most mental health conditions, like therapy and mm-hmm. medication and a supportive background of mm-hmm. people around you is the best medicine that mm. you can have. Yeah. Um, and I put a lot of emphasis on supportive people around you because as we were saying about the authenticity side yeah. of things, I think when you have a mental health condition and you've been diagnosed with a mental health condition, there's so much shame surrounding it mm. and it can be very difficult to be open with the people you love about how you're really feeling because yeah. it's scary. Right. It's scary. Those people don't want to hear that you feel like that. They don't want to hear that you don't want to be here anymore or that Mm. life is really hard for you or that you're struggling with Mm. things because they, you know, everyone wants to think that the people that they love are happy in this life. So do you have to see a therapist? So yeah, I attend therapy weekly. Mm -hmm. Um, It's quite intense therapy. Yeah. Um, Luckily enough, the where I work, because it is a therapeutic setting, like I am able to have that time Mm -hmm. and have those adjustments made for me. But um, I have undergone therapy. So I got my diagnosis in 2015. Why were you diagnosed? What like, was happening at the um, time? So my uncle was quite severely ill. He was in hospital. He was deteriorating from uh, dementia. Mm-hmm. And he was my rock. So my dad wasn't very present still mm-hmm. to this day. Um, but he was the first person to feed me when I was right. born, to hold me in that hospital, was mm-hmm. there for me for everything I needed. And when he wasn't there anymore that's when like the last kind of thread that was holding me Mm, together snapped yeah and so i kind of i took drastic measures i was taken to hospital and they started to do assessments and things like that from there like psychiatric assessments Mm -hmm. and i had been kind of in the on their radar for a little while because i'd gone through a lot of stuff at home Mm -hmm. um social services had been involved in the home um I had been depressed for probably many years. So I think I'd first been actually given antidepressants by a GP at the age of 16. Wow, she's quite young. Yeah, but they were really reluctant. But at that point, it's like CAMS had tried to get involved. I wasn't really engaging with CAMS because I was really paranoid Mm. and I was having a lot of like paranoid thoughts and Mm. things like a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of things like that. And people kind of just thought I was a bad kid. 
Right. Like, my mum just thought I was a bad kid. Because you was really rebellious. Yeah, like, I would go out. I would stay at friends' houses. I wouldn't pick up the phones. Her didn't want to hit. Like, I was really rejecting that relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was for a number of reasons. But I think the most important reason why I was rejecting it is because I didn't feel safe Mm. at the time. When Um, you say didn't feel safe, as in at home. Yeah, so there was a lot of stuff going on at home. And, like, Mm. I'm sure my mother will forgive me for saying, but Mm. she was going through her own things. And she wasn't able to be there for me. She Mm -hmm. wasn't able to be present. Mm -hmm. And so that definitely had an impact on me growing up. I had to kind of mature beyond Mm. my years, take care of myself, take care of my mum, and make sure certain things were sorted out in the way they need to be sorted out as much as a child could yeah do you know what i mean um and that obviously does have an impact on your health because you you're not being a child you're not able to go out there and you know do things you know you want to have friends coming over to to have sleepovers and normal developmental things that children do at that age middle childhood friendships are very important Mm. in that development and it's like you know my mum was depressed and you know there wasn't any food Mm. or the house was a mess or whatever so I couldn't have friends around like that and going around to other people's houses I always felt a lot of internal shame because I felt like I had to go there and be this perfect child so that they didn't know I had all this stuff going on Mm -hmm. so they would come back and they'd give me back to my mum be such a pleasure to be around and I liked hearing those nice things about Mm. myself because I didn't hear it a lot yeah do you get what I mean so yeah that was that was a lot um but yeah so after time things started kind of to be picked up by the school yeah more into secondary school because I started to not be naughty but my behavior started to deteriorate a bit yeah so I think being a black girl as well um Luckily, I grew up in Harrow, so it's quite multi multicultural and diverse. Mm-hmm. But still, I wouldn't say that that black children were predom- that predominant in my school. Yeah. There were plenty, but Asian it, culture, it was mostly yeah, Asian, Asian culture yeah. in, in that area. So um, I found myself kind of slowly getting a little bit more into trouble, finding myself in an inclusion room more often. And there was a teacher there, bless her, and she just said to me, like, you never used to be in here like what is going on Mm. and I told her everything that was going on and she was like you know like you technically qualify as like a young carer and like you've got all this stuff going on and you need a break and Mm. she kind of supported me in understanding that I'm important Mm. and my needs are important and they need to be met and that's kind of where my interest in like psychology and mental health and what it actually means to to be to be me Mm. if that makes sense um so started looking into those things and you know those those kind of years like my GCSE years and stuff like I wasn't in the classroom for a lot of it like I was doing my maths and my English and outside the head teacher's office because the teachers were like I don't want you in here because I was they would say something to me and I I I'm sorry Miss Khan if you're watching this Miss Khan I didn't mean it but you were moving mad. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? She, so I was going to this classroom and it was science. I was doing double science for my GCSEs mm-hmm. or whatever. And I was the last person in the line. So I've stepped over the threshold of this door. Miss Mams told me, get out. Why do I need to get out? You're late. So everyone who stepped in this classroom before me, they're not late. Just because me, one, I'm at the end of the line, I'm late. You're singling me out. I don't like it. No, that's personal, man. It's personal. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> at this point she said a few mad things to people over the over the over the time yeah. and I thought like 
I know I'm a child, but somebody needs to stop this woman. You know what? Like some some <laughs> teachers actually do, does they they I know t- all teachers they have like favorites and they have ones that they don't like and they pick on them purposely. Right. I I remember seeing like some literally someone would just walk into classroom do nothing right and they'd be like get out like what so this is what i was experiencing at this time and i felt it was unnecessary but me with my dramatic ass can't help myself might have told her to get running away bus so (laughs) 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 sorry miss khan um i know you cried about that that day it's okay it's okay i didn't mean it but um (laughs) No, she, um, from that day, I remember it, it went slightly downhill from there. Yeah. She, she didn't want me in science, so then I wasn't in mm. science. And then kids, there was, you know, internet was a big thing, like, mm. came about, you know, late 90s, we all know that, but it was really growing, like, when we were in school, MSN, you go straight home oh, yeah. from school, and, that's, and, that's all you do. and yeah. talk to the same damn people you spent all day with. <laughs> oh, did, you, did you used to do, um, get everyone in group, and then, and then just, like, just add everyone Listen, into a group? The group chats, BBM. <laughs> The pings, yeah, all of that, that nonsense, funny, all of that chaos. So Facebook was yeah. rife around those times. Yeah. And um, there were some boys in my year group that were severely, severely bullying this girl. Mm. Um, she was a bigger girl, bless her, but she didn't do anything to anyone. She was harmless. Mm. And they, she was quite, I think this is another thing, and forgive me for saying it, but when you're a black or an ethnic child, you cannot really be that open about your mental health. You can't really go on Facebook and talk about how you want to die. Because mm. your aunties and uncles will be calling. They'll be calling. What is your child posting on the internet? Mm-hmm. Come and collect your infant, because what is this behaviour? Yeah. If you don't collect them, I will. Yeah. But some people, they're free to do those things, you know? So they're not maybe not policed as much online or whatever. So she was one of those people very expressive yeah. online, and they decided to target her for that. Where, where's she from? Where's she was a Polish girl. Okay. She was a Polish girl and she was very open about how she was feeling with her mental health and stuff online. And, you know, children can be really cruel. They can mm. be really, really nasty because they just don't really understand. Cyberbullying like, now, isn't it? It's, it's cyberbullying. It's all of these things. Like, it's really... And they were just, you know... She was posting things that, you know, granted, they were all red flags, safeguarding should have been all over that. Mm. Like, mental health... They, someone should have intervened. Yeah. But she was posting content related to self-harm, and they were, yeah, 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 because this is how it gets in schools. Yeah. Um, they were telling her, well, you know, you're not trying hard enough. Huh? Mm, yeah, yeah. As in trying hard enough to harm yourself? Yeah. <gasps> As in, why are you still here? So, of course, me being who I am, I can't witness that and mm. do nothing about it. So I went into school on smoke because they were trying to pick on me as well. Mm. And I had been playing it cool yeah. because... I don't like people to catch me out of character. Mm. Furthermore, due to unfortunately, due to the con- colour of my skin, the consequences are going to be more dire for me. Mm. I just have to put it out there. Yeah. And so I had to, my mum was told me, you know, like, if they hit you, hit them back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? That's the, that's, that's real. Like, you're not going to teach a child, oh, if someone hit you, just, just, just tell the teacher, just dodge it. No. I think, you know what is, this is some of the things, I think, some people don't understand. I find secondary school is like a survival place. You have to learn how to survive. It's like you go in there. If someone hits you, yeah, you don't hit back. But you're gonna and you don't hit back. But you go to t- uh, to the teacher. Bullied. Bullied. You're a snitch. You're you're a pussy hole. Do you know what I mean? All of that you stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. But if you hit back, yeah, you get in trouble. So what? But at least you you 
you stood up for yourself. Yeah, exactly. And then, if, if anything, that other person probably have respect for you. Right, do you know what I mean? Exactly. That's the mess. Yeah. Up. Children are just depraved. Like mm. <laughs> they're so primal. Yeah. Everything they do is just like it's like a hierarchy. Yeah. It's like a little dog pack. Like there's always little leader, there's little followers, and yeah. little bless them minions. Like yeah, it's I, just I remember <laughs> my through my fights, my my brother, he had a fight, and uh, basically he was racist. This white boy was like, <laughs> by the way, for those who are not from the UK, um, you know the people in America probably you don't you don't say white boy or, or you don't say that. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. So if you say Caucasian, <laughs> yeah, the Cauc- Caucasian, Caucasian, yeah. But you know, to me, yeah. if I say Caucasian, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to shade you. I can't. Lie. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I'm weird, isn't it? Caucasian, I'm like, oh, the yeah, capacity of yeah. all. <laughs> but anyway, so like, anyway, this is white boy. Basically, um, he's he purposely tried to pick on my brother, like try to trigger him by saying, oh, you're your mom, you're this, you're the Chinese, all that. Basically racist stuff, right? My brother just ignored him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. told him to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then so this is in science. And then when he's, he's, this he told me the story. Then when he walked out of the classroom, he said the boy was actually waiting for him outside, pushed him, right? And my brother's like, That's like, it. don't do it. That's it. Like, just don't, don't tell him to fuck off. And he walked away. And then and this boy got his brother involved, wanted to, trying to get my brother again and this time and yeah and this time my brother like was like you know what that's it and punched him right so then obviously the the fight got broken up blah blah and uh i still remember this like the teacher was saying um, because my mum was out and but she told me on the phone i was like yeah basically you know your brother really should have gone to teacher because he's basically saying that my brother got did it to himself he got he got he got into fight because he didn't tell a teacher early enough that I they've got these racism remarks. I'm thinking, are you st- yeah. stupid? It's just such, ugh, it's so messed up. Yeah. Like, it's very actually incredibly similar to literally yeah. what I was um, saying to you. So yeah. this boy had that had been picking yeah. on this girl. Yeah, yeah. He had also been doing things like that to mm. me. Funnily enough, in science, because science is where the children just seem to be doing whatever <laughs> yeah. they want. Yeah. Science teachers, get it together. <clears throat> um, so... Yeah, he's been calling me the N-word. Mm. He's been doing all these things. He's been making comments about the colour of my skin and whatever. But I've been ignoring it, ignoring, yeah, it, ignoring yeah. it. Then I've seen what he's... Him where's and his he, friends where's been he doing. from? He was an English boy. Okay. Um, I should really... But I'm not going to because I'm sure you have a job now. Mm. But you know who you are. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, he, he'd really just been going on with his friends and now picking on this girl. And he must have... So one day... After I've I've said something to him about this thing, and now he's decided to try and up the ante on me. Mm. Wrong mistake, big mistake. Just going back quickly. Mm. What did you? How did you stick up for the Polish girl? Right, this is where we get. Oh, there. okay, so okay, okay. He starts to up the ante on me because I've stuck up for her. Right. And I'm walking past the corridor, and he said something. I don't even remember to this day what it was he said. Yeah. But I just switched. Yeah. I just switched. And unfortunately for him, I was doing kickboxing and mm. mixed martial arts at the time. <laughs> Ooh. So needless to say, it took two teachers to get me off him. Well, you do know the roundhouse kick on him and everything. I had to destroy his ass because really and truly you're taking the piss. So go into detail. So what happened? So you, you walked past. So literally, I remember because my form room was right there. The door yeah. of my form room was here and I was coming out and he said something. And I just pinned him against the wall and I just started kneeing him in the stomach. Oi. I literally just got him and I was kneeing him. I was elbowing him in his head. I was like, you just really picked the wrong one. Yeah. You did because all these months and whatever, you've been playing with me and I've been keeping quiet. That's why you don't mess with the quiet ones. I've been keeping quiet. Yeah. But today, today you're going to feel it. And he felt it. But what got me about that entire situation is I was the one that got suspended. 
And he didn't. And he didn't. Yeah. That, this is, is Nothing he, happened to that boy. Did, did you tell the teacher what he... What? We, they sat us down. They got, they've got screenshots from Facebook. They can see what he's done. And did he get done nothing? Bro, the police should have been called on that boy. The police should have been called on him. Mm. If anything like that happened in the school that I currently work in, I would not hesitate to involve the police mm. because this is people's lives at the end of the day. You can clearly see that that girl was on the edge mm. and you took it upon yourself to make a mockery of it. What kind of person are you? I don't care if you're a child, I'm sorry. But clearly there's some missing morals and values mm. there. Yeah. Because you don't teach your children kindness. Yeah. I do I do believe children, these behaviours is learnt from parents. 100%. Yeah. Because the things I see at work on a daily basis, like, you'll get a child, people will swear up and down, that's a good child. And I'm not saying there are bad children. Mm. There's only bad parenting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have any children, so I'm not one to speak and say you're a bad parent that's mm. not what i'm trying to say here yeah. i'm just saying it's a learning curve it doesn't come with a manual but i think some things you you'd think yeah you wouldn't want your child to copy or do or say yeah so example kind of little side note um there was someone who was oh i can't even remember where i'd met this person but this person basically had said to their children that when they needed to clean their room, are what you want to live like a N word. Wait, wait, how'd you know about this? This um, I can't remember where I, I heard this from, but this is something that has I can't yeah. remember exactly who told me this, but yeah. someone basically saying that they're saying to their children, "What? So you want to live like an N word? Clean this room?" Da, 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 da. Right. Don't know what that's supposed to mean. Exactly. Because I know my home's very clean and tidy. Yeah. But. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> I've, I've got a story to talk to tell you about that. So, um, the gym. I won't say the gym name. No, what what name? Yeah, but the gym that we come that we are. Mm. But it's not that that branch in my previous branch okay. that I was in. Okay, so this guy there. Um, this is my old colleague. Anyway, he was there in the staff room. So my friend told me about this. What happened? Because I had already left, but he called me and told me about the situation. Basically, the him and two other. Three other, three other persons. So one girl, three other boys in there, in the locker room. So anyway, the girl, um, she put cocoa butter on like that, right? Um, she's English, okay? She okay. put cocoa butter. And the guy who said, made the comment is Turkish. And then there's another English boy and then there's a uh, Greek boy. The reason I'm, I'm, I'm um, saying spe- specifying, but it's just so you understand the mm-hmm. situation. But anyway, so the, the Turkish guy was like to the girl, oh, don't put too much of the cocoa butter otherwise you're gonna smell like the n-word do you know and then and then the and then the girl and the and the guy uh, that the english boy just sort of like they laughed at it apparently laughed the greek boy didn't laugh mm-hmm. and the turkish boy turned to him was like why are you not laughing is it because you like your n-words and he was just like yo just chill out yeah and then anyway so that and then after that um it escalated didn't it so he got to, to, to management and now that Turkish boy is gone a hundred million percent yeah. because I, the thing I is that like, in that context like what does it what's it meant to mean do you know what I mean if somebody had said to me like oh in a in a kind of passing comment oh she looks like she smells like cocoa butter or something I'd be like yeah she looks like she smells good yeah yes yeah. that's a compliment to yeah. me like smelling like cocoa butter smelling like razak smelling like any of those lotions to me that means I bathed my skin this morning yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I remember no. when I put. I remember walking out the staff room with a cocoa bar, and then my friend, uh, one of my colleagues, was like, "Hmm, I, I want to eat you up." It's like delicious, <laughs> exactly. delicious. That's exactly what I am. Yeah. You're a hater if you think anything else. Yeah, <laughs> and another. This is a different, whole different situation, but I'm talking. This talk about children learning behavior from their parents. Um, so my parents have takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um. And I used to help out mm-hmm. and in the shop. So I remember I was there and then uh, this man came with his, his, his son. His son was probably like five years old. They're regular customers, like really nice people. They come in and the next thing I see the, boy, the little boy do this. Just looking around like this, right? And smiling. And the, the, the dad didn't see. The dad was looking outside. And I'm like looking at him. I'm thinking, okay, shall I say anything? I don't know. Then I looked at the dad. Dad was not looking. I was like, okay, cool. Let me just keep quiet. <laughs> Next thing now, the dad turns around and looked at him like, what are you doing? He, he, he was shook. He was like, what are you doing, son? And he was like, and the son goes, I'm trying to be Chinese. And then he, he looked. He's like five though. Yeah. And then his dad was like, looked at like, five. yeah. <laughs> and then he was like, that's taking a piss. Don't do that. <laughs> like that. And then, he, and then after his, I think his dad made it worse. His dad was like, oh, um, I'm sorry, like I don't, yeah. I don't know where he learned that from. He goes to school with Indian, there's Indian people, like, there's Chinese. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then no, that's not even what, that, that bad. He and he goes, then he goes to me, oh, like I mean, like you two, for example, like I think you're beautiful. So like, what was that even got to do with anything? <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I think, and anyway, I, and I, was, I was like, it's cool. And when I gave him his food, he was like, I said, enjoy a meal. And he's probably thinking, thank you. He's probably thinking, shit, did these people speak my food? <laughs> probably be like if he hears any foreign language in the back he's thinking it's about him <laughs> he's power forever now yeah she, she got a chef come out with a knife saying like what, what? you know what i mean like yeah so because of what you just shared about your story thank you yeah. for sharing about what that by, that by the way um is that why you're doing what you're doing now do you know, so I feel like this has gone to 17 different tangents mm. and we'll definitely come back to that random woman and what she said because wild and learnt behaviour from children. But I think what initially got me into it was just really wanting to understand myself. So the start of this kind of journey, I feel like, began in my A-levels um, because I had the opportunity to, to choose psychology mm. and sociology um, and English lit and drama. So I kind of was... Wow. A bit more free mm. to to be, you yeah. know, because I had always like I'd been doing dance, musical theatre, and things like that, and I wanted to do. Oh no wonder um, when I see you come to a dance class, I see you vibing, and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. That's where the theat- yeah, I love it. Comes from, yeah. but yeah, no. So I used to do. I used to go to a musical theatre school. Mm. I used to do like ballet and contemporary and all of these other things, courtesy of my uncle, mm. bless his soul. Um, but yeah, when I es- expressed that want to be creative, that was immediately kind of shut down um luckily though with psychology we were able to kind of find a middle ground because she was like oh can you be a doctor and I was like yes I can be a doctor she was like okay then no problem you know Mm. as long as you can be a doctor of something that's fine um so you know as long as I told her all the the scientific stuff she was she was yeah carry on carry on Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so a levels like sociology psychology I really found like all the answers that I was looking for like 
all the questions I had about the world and like people and family dynamics and all the things that happen because there's so many kind of like phenomena that we experience as human beings that we don't even know we think they're unique to ourselves but they're they're not like mm. sometimes we all live in the same life and we don't even know it yeah. um, which is probably where people get this idea of the matrix and all those things mm. you know? but just things that I was learning in that kind of like a-level setting just as a basic i was really lucky to have really great a-level teachers mm-hmm. um that were really nurturing as well but the things that i learned i started to question myself i started to to learn things about myself um funnily enough before i got my diagnosis one of the things i was learning about in psychology was like anxiety disorders depression things like that and we briefly touched over personality disorders mm. very lightly and there was this kind of ooh, there was this kind of chart thing, um, like a kind of tick box thing, yeah. and it was like symptoms and like the names and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking through them and kind of being drawn not drawn to two, but very clearly like identifying myself in two of them. Yeah, uh, one of them was borderline, and I can't actually remember what the other one was now. Um, so it's quite interesting that uh, just a couple years later that kind of mm-hmm. materialized. Um, but yeah, no, it was really interesting because I was able to to learn about myself, learn about the people around me in a way that wasn't emotional. Mm-hmm. Because I think sometimes when emotions are attached to things, like you can have very strong feelings towards things, things are really good or things are really bad. And it was very much kind of like, this is how things are. And this is what you can do about it. And this is what happens when you don't do something about it. Mm. And I think it was the knowing what happens when you don't do something about it that was really scary for me and i kind of vowed to myself like as much as i'd been through and whatever and i wanted to change my trajectory anyway this was kind of like the avenue that i saw myself doing it down Mm. and then following a levels went to uni studying psychology there really kind of I was looking towards more of the clinical side of things initially, like everyone does when they Mm -hmm. go into psychology. But then I found, I found a lot of place in, in other like aspects. Uh, Developmental psychology was one of my really uh, most treasured topics. Um, Also there was a topic that I did called drugs, hormones and the brain. Mm. And that was something that I also found really interesting as well. Um, Possibly due to my own prior experiences as well. Um, and that kind of took me in a different angle where I realized that there were lots of vulnerable people that were falling victim to circumstances in their life mm-hmm. and without the proper support and kind of guidance and protection, like they're all falling through the cracks. Like I, on my university placement, um, started on a placement, but then ended up working there. Uh, working for an organization called the Reasons Why Foundation, who um, I'll say about it because I'm sure Roger won't mind me getting the publicity out there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they work with prisoners and ex-offenders. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember working with some clients while there, and the things I would hear, these were adult men mostly, because the prison that we were going into was a male prison. Mm. Um, but we did have some female clients that were referred through uh, social services, job centers, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, But some of the things I was hearing was, you know, some of my clients were doing crack cocaine with their mum at the age of eight years old. Like, what chance do you have in life when you're doing crack at eight? Wow. There's there's no way. There's no chance. Crack at eight? Crack at eight. As in your caregiver, the person who brought this into you was like, here, try some crack. 
Like, I mean, I heard stories like my mum was a drug dealer and I used to smuggle drugs with her when I was three. Which is already a mess. Yeah. Which <laughs> <laughs> put them in the back but, of the buggy. A mess. Yeah, but to do wow okay yeah so at this point like if no one has these that because i see them as children they mm. just never really got a chance to kind of grow up you mm. know no one has these people's backs they're literally out here fighting for their lives on their own mm. like and how can you really expect much more than to end up in jail yeah. i'm not saying that's what i want for these people but how can you expect much more than that yeah if you've already got an addiction at that age where are we going to get money from? Yeah. You're going to start doing wild things. Yeah. And there's someone, adults in your life who are supposed to take care of you that are encouraging it. Mm-hmm. There's just no chance. So yeah, back to like learnt behaviour and all that stuff. Yeah. That lady was saying all that stuff to her kids and then this woman's daughter, um, she, oh, I can't even remember the exact story. She went out there and she said something so wild and out of turn. Yeah. And she got called up on it. And she was like, well, my mum used to say these things to me all the time. Like, I don't see what the problem is. It's not racist. It's just a phrase. And they were just looking at her like... Oh, the one that about the, the, the keeping your room tidy. Yeah, keeping oh. your room tidy, yeah. Yeah. So she, her children are now going out there and saying these things. <laughs> like, like it's like normal. Like it's nothing. And then someone's pulled her up on it and she's all in tears. I'm not racist. I'm not racist. But as if you didn't hear the words coming out of your mouth. But because of what she's used to, used yeah. to she didn't think twice about it. Mm-mm-mm. And like, there's a child that um, I work with in my school and he is, I would say for the most part, left to his own devices at 10 years old. And you know, there's things that you kind of have suspicions about in households, but you never really know until you see the behaviours. Mm. And one day last week, he got really, really dysregulated. Mm. Um, like, dysregulated, like we've not seen him before. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the staff that were supporting him were two black women. And at that time, the words that were coming out of this boy's mouth, shocking, shocking. And at that point, I knew. Because even in his induction paperwork, I don't know why I just got a bit of a vibe. Mm. Usually it says... What vibe was you saying? It was just a very much... For for not wanting to offend people, but it was a very typical British, misogynistic... Let's go out for a pint. (laughs) Take the kid with us for the pint. (laughs) Give the kid a point to vibes. Yeah, yeah. And I was just like, there's no boundaries. Mm. There's no differentiation between adult and friend. This child sees everything you do, hears everything you say, and I guarantee that some of that stuff is not child appropriate Mm. or appropriate for anyone's ears. It's just outright offensive. And the more he's gotten comfortable in the space and felt safe because we provide that environment of safety to be Mm. themselves, the more you see the true colours of the person behind the mask because when they all come in they all mask as perfect children Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. as they get comfortable they show them true their true selves and you see some of the things they say Mm -hmm. like the other day one children walked into my classroom and he said women should be slaves where's he from you don't mind me asking (laughs) (laughs) caucasian so really but he has some strange views anyway. There's different members of his family that are just influencing him with the strange views. His parent, his mother is very lovely, actually. Mm. But other members of his family, because it's not just mm. one, but like it takes a village, doesn't it? And if yeah, that yeah, village yeah. is shite. Yeah. What can we say? 
So, yeah. so like you see where you work, is it like a so is it part of the school or is it another separate? So we are like an organization of mm. independent schools. Mm-hmm. So we're not government run. Okay. Um, but we are funded by the local authority mm-hmm. because the children have the educational health care plans in right. place. So it's not after school club, is no, it? No, no, no. This is oh, after school. Okay. Eight fifty like in the morning okay. till the end of the day. And do they learn the same stuff like maths, like in their structure or so we try to teach them. Mm. We do our best to teach them. Mm. A lot of them due to having been kicked out of multiple schools, mm. having missed time at school due to mm. problems at home or being moved around the care system or yeah. even being like residential schools yeah. or all different health yeah. issues, different reasons why they would have missed. So children in our school on average across the service miss about 15 months of school before they enter our service. So they've been out of school for 15 months straight? On average, yeah. Due to either behaviour ex- uh, yeah. issues, exclusions, yeah. uh, problems at home, health issues, anxiety, like too anxious to leave the house. And who enrols like these So the students? So they will have been referred to by either a social worker, okay. the local authority, um, mostly the local authority, mm. sometimes like, psych- uh, like educational psychologists and stuff mm-hmm. get involved. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's a quite a lengthy process. Wow, and then, okay, so... So for, the, for those the children that come to this school have they already been diagnosed with so not all of them are no. neurodivergent okay. in the aspect of like ADHD mm. autism things like a lot of them do have diagnoses but mm. some of them their neurodivergence is from trauma because a certain level of trauma before a certain age mm. has a physical impact on your brain development Mm. so it actually slows down the development of your prefrontal Mm. cortex your amygdala becomes heightened because your amygdala is your like prehistoric brain Mm -hmm. so it takes control it takes charge of things like fight or flight mode so what happens with children who have experienced acute levels of stress or toxic stress is that their hormones in their amygdala they're constantly sky high so it takes a lot more to bring them back down to baseline level and eventually that baseline level shifts Mm. so what happens is if we've all got a baseline level of here and it takes a certain amount of dysregulation to get us to actually physically act out and be triggered but also because we have self-soothing strategies and techniques that our parents have taught us or Mm -hmm. we've learned over time we can bring ourselves back down below that threshold but when you're constantly having that amygdala activation the threshold it it lowers so it takes less and less to trigger you because you've already got that level of stress hormone cortisol in your system. Mm. So it takes a lot less to, str- to trigger these children mm. and a lot more to soothe them. Mm-mm-mm. So what happens is they become dysregulated over really seemingly small things mm. and that becomes unmanageable. So in a mainstream school setting, child who, because of maybe their ADHD or whatever, and additionally with their trauma and the stress that they're going through let's say they're not able to sit still mm. and they've been told to sit still they've been told to sit still and now they are they're upset mm. and now they're being told to leave the classroom and it's going to escalate they're going to get dysregulated they're going to maybe physically act out because we all know from being a child when you're a child you somatically feel emotions like we were talking about your aesthetic dance mm. thing. You need to move when you're angry. You need to stomp. Yeah. You see toddlers stomping, throwing themselves on the floor. Throwing, because that's the 
the release yeah. of those hormones and those emotions. That's why it's so important to cry. Mm, because mm. when you have that buildup of cortisol, that stress hormone, it can make you physically sick. Mm, yeah. It, yeah, it, yeah. It, because that fight or flight mode, mm. what it is, it's preparing your body for survival. Yeah. But because of the, the world that we live in nowadays, the threats are confusing to our brain. The, the, the world is moving at so much of a faster pace that our brain can evolve. We're always on a fight and flight. We're always in fight yeah, and flight mode. Yeah. Because something that used to be, I need to be anxious or scared because there might be a tiger or a lion nearby, mm. has now become, I haven't responded to my emails. Mm, yep, yep. Because the threats yeah. have changed. Yeah. So the things that get us into fight or flight mode confuse us now. And we don't even know why yeah. we're upset half the time. And also, now coffee, people are having coffee Anxiety. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Really, you know, changing your, your, your physiological responses to things. Your heart rate's increasing. Yeah. And if you're not self-aware or you don't have very good, like, vestibular senses or, like, inward looking, like, as mm. of knowing your body... Mm you can think what's wrong with me but mm. realizing you're not like you're saying i think i need a coffee like oh, i'm not you know mm. and realize you're you're actually feeding that anxiety with that caffeine, and caffeine it yeah. works if you're not aware of these mm. things do you know what i mean so like not just children but we do it to ourselves all the time yeah because it's now become so normal that people just don't realize it yeah no, and I, I mean there's a really interesting uh video there's a he's a medical doctor um his name's gabor mate mate Okay. He's a Hungarian um, mm. fellow over in the States. And he was diagnosed with ADHD at the age of 54, I believe. Yeah. But for the longest time in his life, he was like, why am I not succeeding? Why am I not going to the places I want to be at? I want to be a, mm. a, a, a well-known author. I want to mm -hmm. do all these things. I want to have a better relationship with my children. And it wasn't until he got diagnosed that he realized this is what was the problem. This is why I was losing my temper. This is why this was happening. That mm. is why that was happening. And he now, he does a lot of um, podcasts, videos, um, speech speeches, talks, lectures on uh, the things that he's experienced. One, so he keeps one very interesting book he wrote is The Body Keeps Score. Okay. So it's talking about how our emotions and our bodies are linked mm. and our minds and our bodies are linked and mm -hmm. all of these things. But he has a really, really great video on YouTube. It's probably about, Ten, no more than 10 minutes long yeah. it's called um addiction and authenticity mm, i think i've heard of that actually. and yeah. it is a beautiful video i watch it i'm not i wouldn't say I'm particularly addicted to anything but i mm. watch it in general because the message behind it is so meaningful he talks about numbing mm. he talks about that need that we have to run away from things that are uncomfortable right yeah and he talks about how addiction is basically nothing more than a need for a hug you know what it's funny you say that um so i have a client she uh wasn't i'll say she was an addict like i think alcoholic mm -hmm. uh, but she still calls herself she's sober now mm -hmm. um i think she's been sober 11 months or something. anyway she says she's an addict yeah uh, she says she's an addict and i said and i said to her and i was like no you're not yeah like, like not anymore she goes no no i am i'm like what do you mean she goes um she's basically saying like it's everyone basically you're born with some some sort of like basically if you're an addict you're forever an addict but for example like she was an alcoholic but now she's moved on to doing something that she's addicted to which is her business so when she came out of the rehab um she went to start her own business and that business is um doing like 
uh, like this cosmetic uh, business or mm-hmm. things like that, she turned into six figure making business in six months. And yeah, like that, yeah. That and going back to the love bit of having one a hug, um, when it comes to love, her love life, she's always craving for love, 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 love. Mm-hmm. Like when she has a, when she, uh, when she meets someone new, she'd be so addicted Over to that me. person. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be addicted to them. Um, things like that. And she just want to feel loved. Mm. And that is, I'm like, from the people that I've met in my time on this planet and even my own personal experiences, I think we all have experienced it to some extent or some degree that, that, that void or that lack and that wanting to fill it with something, mm. you know, whether it be creativity, whether it be love, whether it be addiction. But I think everyone is on that kind of, I think it's normal part of the human condition to be on that want, that search for what is the meaning of this life? Why am I here? What am I mm. in this place for? Your life purpose. Your yeah. purpose. Mm. And I think when for some people, I won't say everyone because I think some people are perfectly happy with it, mm. but for some people that feeling of purposelessness is too much to bear mm. because am I here just to be a punching bag for others? Am I here just for to make others feel better? Am I here to serve a purpose? Like, what mm. am I here for? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think when... I mean, I can't personally speak, but I think for some people when they fall into addiction or at least very much from what I understand, from what I've read and heard, um, it is, it's just, it's to, it's to numb the pain. Mm. There's so much pain in this existence. Mm-hmm. And when you're not adequately supported, I think, you know, it is just like a big warm hug, you know? You mm-hmm. don't think about anything, you forget about everything. And things seem okay for a while. It might be temporary, but it's okay for a while. And that's yeah. why, you know, I really understand people who, although, you know, it's not necessarily the best choice, who am I to judge? But, you know, when there are people out there on the streets and they are asking for money and people are like, oh, no, mm. I don't want to give you money because you're going to spend it on drugs. Mm. If you're going to give you the money, first of all, you can't exactly stipulate what you're going to give it to them for, mm. giving them the money. Yeah. What they do with it. That's not on you. Yeah. You're giving them the money. Yeah, exactly. You can't do that. If you're not going to yeah. give them the money, then tell them, I'll buy you something. I'm not going to give you yeah, money. Yeah, yeah. But anyway i can't lie to you when i was a kid i did um i did this thing called the challenge it's kind of like duke of edinburgh yeah and i did a big sleep out Uh so we slept outside in the streets for a night and i shit you not that shit was cold i was only a teenager back then but i can completely understand why someone who's going through whatever they've gone through to end up on the streets for a period of, of time would choose to buy drugs over foods with the money that they have i'm not saying that it's the best thing you would do to Mm. survive but in terms of whatever they've got going on that's Mm. going through their head Mm. they haven't got a roof over their head they haven't got a penny to their name they've Mm. probably got a whole bunch of other problems plus being addicted to something they've got an itch as well Mm. the only thing they want to do is just quiet their minds and not feel the pain that they're going through Mm. do you get what i mean so they might buy drugs yeah but can you blame them can you fucking blame them? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Like, people go home and they smoke, you know, Weed. a spliff or whatever. Yeah. But they're high and mighty because they've got the ability to do it in their house or sit and sit and do that and say, you know, but I go to job, go to work every day. Mm. But not everyone is lucky enough to be in that position, mm-hmm. lucky enough to be supported or to not be judged by their family or to have a good job that they can 
get by in. And yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's it's a crazy world, really. Like there's so mm. many levels to it. <laughs> <laughs> So we're going to wrap it up here. Yeah. Um, it was really good. It was. I feel like we've got so much more to Yeah, like. we are definitely. This is not the we end. Even, we didn't even finish any of the stories that we began. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know, like the studios are only booked a certain time. But obviously, you, you can always come back. You're more than welcome um, to come back. I'd love yeah. to. I'd love to be back. Um, but yeah, and, um, yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank Being you. vulnerable. I think it's that's... Okay. that's I'm sure a lot of people... It will inspire a lot of people as well and help people out there. Um, um, this is what this show is all about. Um, thank you, viewers. Thank you for listening, watching. If you resonated and you found it beneficial or you think and someone should listen or watch this, share this. Show us some love. Please spread the words. And yeah, thank you for your support. Love you.